Jerry, you know what I kind of realized today? I have no idea, buddy. This is got to be the worst time in history to be a smoker. Not that just because it was so much better in the past. When you could smoke indoors and stuff? I think it was just, well, yeah, that just being one factor. What are some but others? I mean, you could just, you could smoke anywhere. <laughs> and uh, this this is all coming from Jer. It, it was just, it seems like it was way more heavily promoted, ah. which it was. Yeah, that was true. Now you can't advertise cigarettes really in any way. Yeah. Can't and then sm- now when you see someone smoking, it's just, it's kind of to shake your head, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> What on earth made you think of this? What made me think of this is when I, I worked on a boat one time. Yeah. And it was this big, like, really luxury boat. And it had four seats in the main cockpit. At every seat was this amazing little mechanism that you turned the dial and out rolled a cigarette. No. And you pushed this button in and it lit the cigarette for you. Come on. Yes. So cool. That is pretty cool. But hey. Yeah. The You know. Smoking's not that cool anymore. Or does that mean now that it's less popular, it's more cool? No, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think now that it's less popular, it's more cool. As a podcast, can we take a stance saying that smoking is cool? I don't think so. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. You just did. Thanks for tuning into the Open Road Podcast. My name is Jeremy, and in just a moment, we will be joined by my co-host, Calvin, and our guest today, Graham. Uh, If this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, really, we're here to help you find more adventure in your everyday. So Calvin and I will typically share some stories from our own adventures and also bring on guests who have had some pretty incredible adventures of their own uh, with the hopes of, you know, doing a little bit of inspiring mixed with some practical tips. So today though, we have Graham Genvy on the line and this guy is a jack of all trades. He is an incredible videographer, uh, a content creator, a you know woodworker, a beekeeper, currently living in Virginia. He has some crazy stories that he is uh, sharing, going to share with us today. So we're going to get right into it here. This is our interview with Graham Genvy. All right, welcome to another episode of the Open Road Podcast. My name is Calvin, here with Jeremy, where we talk about how to find adventure in the everyday. Today on the podcast, we have Graham Genvy. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, thank you. Nice to be here. Kind of a new friend, really. Yeah, new friend as of like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And a longtime friend of Cole's. Yes. Thank you, Cole. Cole, our producer, who's never come on the show, but we talk about all the time. Graham, how long have you known Cole? To be honest, I think I've known Cole almost longer than anybody else I currently know. Come on. Well, you know, I was in a strange, you know, my my mom left me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I actually met Cole when I was going to a high school out in Saskatchewan. I got sent there, you know, rough, rough kid. A high school? A high school in the middle of Saskatchewan, Cairnport, Saskatchewan. And I met Cole, who was in college at the time did Belie- he did he buy you smokes you no know, you would imagine he would have with those skinny jeans super long hair yeah <laughs> he, he was quite emotional yep uh he got me into dashboard confessional nice yes 
<laughs> Open them up a bit here. So, uh, yeah, I've known Cole since I was, I want to say 14 or 15, probably 15, grade 10. Right. And so you guys both do video stuff. Like, I know Cole does, but you also do video, uh, Graham? I do, yes. I do I do video production. I, I went to school for it in, at Sheridan in Oakville, Oakville, Ontario. But yep. I grew up in British Columbia where I actually kind of got into video production. Or you know, oh. I, don't e- I don't even know if you could call it video production back then. I, I just had a little Sony Handycam. What part of BC? Uh, Prince George, Northern Interior. Nice. The, the Northern Capital, they call it. Wow. Lumbertown. Cool. Lumbertown. Wow. Very cool. Well, I think, it, Calvin, it's, it's kind of serendipitous that we have Graham on the podcast mm. because at the end of the last episode, we talked a little bit about him, and he probably doesn't even know that yet because he hasn't listened to it. Oh. We talked yep. about you because uh, um, you've started a cool new video blog series that uh, we've been watching, and you know you kind of have a lot of things in common with like Calvin and with us, with our you know theme of adventure. You keep bees... I do. You build stuff. I build. And you like to record your adventures. Just seemed like a good fit. Yeah. And you're you're visiting Cole right now, so we're actually in person here, which is so cool. Yeah, no, this is fun. Uh, so why don't you, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about, but why don't you uh, share with us a little bit about what, what got you uh, vlogging more intensely over the past little bit and kind of what, what's the point? Okay, yeah, hmm. Let me just slip through these notes here. No. <laughs> um, what got me into vlogging? Actually, Cole, the fellow who's sitting beside me with the big beard, kind of looks like a Viking, sipping on some Tennessee Jack. Um, he challenged me one day. He said, Graham, you're doing so much fun stuff. You got the talent. You got the video production. You got the you know the editing software on your computer. Why don't you start kind of making videos of your life kind of day by day? I'm like, ah, man, I don't know. That you know, it takes, takes more effort. takes more time. might stress me out. My wife probably won't like it. And my dog will get less walks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I then kind of changed my frame of mind and looked at it as maybe this is a, an opportunity where I can, uh, you know, the fact that the camera's on me can kind of encourage me to do something fun that might people might kind of get entertained out of. And, um, and that's what it's kind of turned into. So the past three weeks, I've been trying to maintain a daily vlog Wow. Of, you know, woodwork or, or, you know, doing one of my video production jobs. Every day? Every day. I've, I've tried. I mean, that's the past, amazing. Yes. The past week's been busy and I've been kind of going around the country, you know, from the States up and up back home here to Canada. And so it's been tough, um, you know, maintaining that daily yep. video. But I have oh, yeah. been filming every day. Ah, so you can make some. Yes. Yeah, so I can stretch them out, post them up and. Okay. My, keep my 12 subscribers happy. Nice. You know? yep. I want to double that. I want 24. <laughs> <laughs> well, what time frame are you looking at? Time frame. When That's do you want to double ambitious. by? You know what? I want to I want to take this slow because I want to make sure that the people are getting what the people want. Yeah. I want to make sure they're in- entertained. Nice. That's but at the true. end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm just doing this because I'm having a blast doing it. Folks, this is your opportunity to get in on the ground level. Ground level. Well, subscription. And, that, and that's cool what you say too, how it's kind of uh, doing it has in some ways forced you to do fun stuff or forced you to think about what you're actually filming. And kind of even Calvin and I were talking about this on the last podcast, us just having this podcast kind of, you know, we need to feel like we need to have something fresh to talk about. So it's keeping mm-hmm. us kind of on our toes uh, with adventures. What's, um, you have a really cool wood shop. What, uh, what kind of stuff do you like to build in there? Because some of those videos have been pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, 
I'll just give you a little backstory on my woodwork. So I, I, I kind of I framed homes in Ontario when I first moved here. And then I went back out to Saskatchewan where I went to high school to be with my friends. And I framed houses there for a year, uh, you know, in the minus 35, minus 40. So uh, that that cold weather and having, you know, nails frozen to my lips, I uh, kind of ended <laughs> that dream. Um, so then when I came back out, you know, I got into video production, did that for years. And and now that I've moved to the States and I had to wait for my green card for six months, I decided to get off my butt and use some of those gifts that I was given. And, and so I started doing this woodwork. And so I enjoy doing just kind of simple stuff, bed frames and, you know, barn doors in the house, anything my my wife and friends like. I typically am the first first call for them to make. Nice. So you were forced into being a full time hobbyist. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could look at it like that. That's a dream for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a prison where people are being forced to do fun things, I want to be in. <laughs> yeah. Like, sign me up to break the law, you know? Sign me up, lock me up. <laughs> sign me up, lock me up. Yeah. So are you off that a little sabbatical now? Yes, I have a green card. I'm a permanent resident of the United States. Cool. Oh. So that means you can just do... Oh, you're a permanent resident. You can work there. You can vote. Cannot. Maybe? Cannot vote. Can't vote. And, you know, the way the years unfolded, I probably wouldn't vote. Ooh. You Ooh. know, I, I just Ooh. wouldn't know what I would want to do. Okay, dude, this is not a political podcast, okay? <laughs> do not, do not get political. Oh, uh, yes, politics. <laughs> but you got to at least vote scratch, so that at least they know you don't care. Right, right, yeah. Or Green Party. I don't think they have a Green Party. Hmm, there's just two parties. Yeah. So what was it like to move down to Virginia? It seems like you've been hopping all over. Are you finding a good community there or a good a good spot for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh Charlottesville, Virginia is where I live now, and it's a it's a it's a phenomenal crossroads of of quite intelligent people, people who have a good education. It's a college town. University of Virginia hmm. is there, which uh the Thomas Jefferson founded apparently. And so you get a lot of students that stick around and, and work in the financial industry. Since we're just two hours the south of uh, D.C., you get a lot of that. Okay. And, and also because we're nestled into the Blue Ridge Mountains, you get tons of adventure, a lot of wineries, a lot of breweries. They call it the Napa Valley of the East. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's just, there's just a, a bucket load of things to do there. You have been pretty active. I watched a couple of your videos. You're uh, quite familiar with your drone and I've never tried one of those, but I, uh, after watching some of those uh, shots that you've done, I automatically had the idea that uh, farmers with giant properties and livestock would be w- would love those things. They could just fly them around, sit on their wraparound porch with their feet up, and uh, just you know check out their livestock, check out what's going on, and uh, count them up or whatever they do. I think a lot of farmers do use them. Really? And there's even, they have That's like... That's my idea. Yeah, it's already taken, man. Dang. And some of them even have like <laughs> interesting surveying equipment on them, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're, they've teamed up with this uh, this kind of military camera, like a FLIR, FLIR camera. Yeah. I don't know if that's how you say it, but there you go. And so that beats up heat recognition. It's actually the same kind of cameras. They'll fly over, you know, cornfields to see if anyone's growing anything of medicinal purposes. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. Important Interesting. So. Okay, so that's not, <laughs> not new at all. Sorry, Cal. You do have a lot of good ideas, but this one was I do. Taken. So, Graham, you said, like, it's a perfect place to have all kinds of adventures. This podcast is about finding adventure in your everyday. We want people to have some simple ways to find adventure. So what are some examples of things that 
people can do or that you have done that people could replicate? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I am in a spot where, where adventure is, is really at your fingertips. But, you know, there's still still the odd day. I mean, more so than not prior to me having this kind of new found energy to, to, to get adventure. But, you know, a lot of the time myself and a lot of people around me just, just don't necessarily have the get up and go to get off their seat drive for half an hour, 35, 45 minutes somewhere to go for a sweet hike or see something that they haven't seen before. Right. And, sh- and Charlottesville is not a big place. I mean, I think it's 50,000 people throughout the year. And I sure, I'm sure that fluctuates quite a bit with the student population. Yep. But the fact is, it's not that big. And I've already been there for a year and a half. And yet every day I could find something new hmm. if, I, if I wanted to. And I've been trying and I don't have to try very hard as long as I just walk out that front door with five dollars in my pocket to fill up the tank and well i mean gas is gas is cheap in the states gas is cheap in the states five bucks now but what about the heat the the heat as in the sun yeah the sun yeah that that does play play a part in in cramping your style in the adventure realm but as long as you you know there's some water some shade a tilly hat you're good to go those are three really good things they are but sunscreen wasn't on that list yeah, it probably should be. Okay, all right, good. I'd like to include sunscreen if, if I can add to no, it. No, you can't. My, lip, can. my lips are peeling from, from this past <laughs> weekend in the sun. I had a hilarious thing. So I have this really nice cream that I've found uh, for like black flies and mosquitoes that I'll wear. I just kind of slap a little on the back of my neck. And uh, I was at this customer's house, and he has these two wiener dogs running around. And he grabbed one of these wiener dogs, uh, Peanut, and showed me its underbelly. And it's oh, its whole stomach and chest and everything was all just like completely lit up with bug bites. Nasty. So he uh, grabbed some of my cream and like just mopped the whole dog down with this <laughs> stuff. And I was like, dude, that's like that's not cheap. This stuff was 15 bucks a bottle. <laughs> He's another dang dog. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah. Um, with your with your video stuff, I've watched some of your videos. Like, they're truly unbelievable. Like. <laughs> As, like you, you sound like a pretty humble guy, but this is like like top notch videography, cinematography. <laughs> Where do you get your um, like your creative uh, inspiration from, or or where do you build up your skill set? And one more point to throw in there: is vlogging a whole new concept to you, or are you like do you have you been following other vlogs for a while now? Ooh, both of those are good questions. Okay, I'll start with the first one. We'll, we'll stay in order here. So, video. So, like I said, in elementary school, I had this buddy named Lee. And actually, I, I've come to realize uh, in, the, in the last years that Facebook has become more accessible to kind of meet up with older friends. Um, that he's a, a video producer and video editor, mainly video editor on the west coast of British Columbia in Canada. Which I found just to be, like, awesome. And... Uh, so him and I in elementary school would make these zombie movies. We'd fill each other up with like, you know, toilet paper and red paint and garbage bags and cut each other's shirts open and film <laughs> this all in this little Sony Handycam. And I think that's honestly when the the inspiration kind of fired up. And then throughout school, throughout high school, I would any any time I had the opportunity to do a, a school project with video or film, I would take that opportunity and just, you know, do it with my friends. And I, I, I would never miss an opportunity to make a video. Yeah. And then that kind of morphed and, you know, it settled down a little bit when I started to do construction and landscaping and considered doing that for a full-time career. And then I, you know, went back to Sheridan College and, and got a, 
degree or a certificate in advanced film and, f and television. And even in that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily learn the creative side of things. Mm. I, I really did right. learn that by going out there, making mistakes, you know, working for little weddings or little landscape companies or anything I could get my hands on and just see what people enjoy, see what, see what, you know, drives people to actually want to watch videos. And, mm -hmm. and so that helped develop my creativity more and more. Was the school part, did that help you on the technical side or not even really? Was that still more you, you found your way kind of when you were doing other, other stuff? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it taught me a little bit of the technical side. I actually took kind of two, I took pr producing video for film production and set design. And I, you know, I had the opportunity to do editing and cinematography, but I already felt like I had a, a decent amount of that under my belt. So I, you know, I, I decided to go for with a bit of a different route when I when I picked my courses. So I, I learned the technical side of, of those two aspects. Um, you know, I found that there were teachers and, and people in that school kind of telling you the proper way of doing things and this and that. And uh, you know, I was stubborn. I I acted out, <laughs> and uh, so I did my own thing. And you know. I, most of my creativity kind of came from that is just doing my own thing, hmm. seeing that, you know, out of a hundred people, I'd at least put a smile on at least 80% of them. And, and so that kind of drove me to continue doing what I did and how hmm. I did it. Um, and then as far as vlogging goes, it is definitely a new concept. Um, when you come, you know, from the industry where, when you come from the industry where you're used to, um, you know, doing something that the client needs or wants or they're trying to sell a product or they're trying to show off a product or, tr you know, something internal to beef up their company. Um, you know, you, you do things a very certain way and you they need to be shiny. They need to look good. They're not very realistic in the sense, you know, they're, right. s they're so polished. They kind of create a different, right. you know, atmospheric feeling of, of whatever you're trying to say or do. And then with this vlogging, it, it, it kind of combines the skills that I already have. But realistically, all I'm doing is pressing record. Right. You know, it, right. It, it comes, and pointing it at your face. Yeah. It, it really doesn't take that much of a skill to me. You know, I, you know, I don't want to dumb it down, but, but to me, it's, it's not that hard. But at the same time, that's what kind of makes it hard. Because right. every time you do something... I'm so trained to think that, oh man, you know, is this going to be interesting to someone as mm -hmm. sure, you know, am I going to have haters out there? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants haters. Calvin and I have a lot of haters of the show. Really? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cal Cole just gave me this look like, wait, what? Have you had haters? <gasps> I think he steps aside for a couple of weeks. I think it would be kind of fun to have a hater. What do you say, Cal? Uh, I say bring it on. What if someone was like, this podcast but I think is it would terrible. Be constructive for us. Oh yeah. Oh, if they th said like it's just terrible. This really podcast started. is awful. Like it doesn't help me find adventure. These guys are boring. Really went after our personalities. And they really <laughs> just like the sound of their own voice. Like what if people said that? Would we feel offended? Dude, people are definitely saying it. They're just not emailing it to us. <laughs> That's so, probably true. What are you going to do? Yeah. But uh, yeah. No, anyways. That's just one less download we get. One less download. Um, shoot, I lost my, I had a good question. It was going to be so good. Open, <laughs> really open some doors for us, but we'll have to just move on. Um, I think Calvin, last episode, you said we could do a whole episode on beekeeping and we have another beekeeper in the room now. So I, I would, I would like to ask Graham some questions and you'd probably might have some for like some advanced hey, questions. I have that's basic good. Ones. Cause you know what? Graham and I are on uh, different sides of the spectrum here. He, we do different styles of beekeeping. Ooh, yeah. See, so he's top bar frame. He's what? He's a top bar. 
Top bar, hiver. Uh, so, so give us the Coles notes of how you got started in beekeeping and why it excites you, and then we'll ask you some other questions. Sure. Yeah, um, beekeeping. So the first time I was exposed to beekeeping, actually, my father's been doing it for years and years and years. Okay. And he, it's always been a hobby for him. Uh, he, you know, in British Columbia, he was naturally in the forestry industry. And um, interior you know, capital. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, most most homes, even in Virginia, half of my house is made with can for lumber. That's Canadian forest products. Wow. For those who don't know. Cool. So um, ship it out. Make the money. Ship it out. Make the money. So my father did beekeeping and, you know, I just kind of saw the, you know, the golden honey that would come out at the end of the year, but really didn't know what went into it. And we then moved to Ontario and he again started to pursue beekeeping and have a couple hives at some, uh, some farms up in Flamborough. And, you know, I would tag along now in my college years and in my mid twenties, early twenties. And I started to get kind of interested and intrigued. And then when we uh, bought this property down in Virginia, I just just thought it would be such a fun little hobby to have and have some bees. And, you know, you look online and the Internet and it says bees aren't doing too well. And with my dad doing what he could up in Ontario with, you know, three or four hives, I just thought it'd be a lot of fun. Mm. And so I ordered some bees, three pounds of bees, built myself a hive and uh, threw them in there. And I've had them for about two months. Oh, you're, so it's pretty new for you, too. Very new. Oh, Very okay, new. cool. Yeah. And they're doing pretty well? Oh, sweet. Yeah, I hope they're doing well. I feel like a, a father. Like, I'm, I'm concerned. I've been away from them for a week. And there could be yeah, a it's r- weird. There could be a raccoon, you know, with a surprise attack or something. Calvin was starting to feel some attachment really fast as well, eh? Yeah. Um, yep. Fearful. Do you guys have skunks there? Skunks seem to be the big threat here. We have skunks. Yeah. Yes. That's the big warning. Raccoons, not so much for us, but they keep saying ra- our skunks are, you know, big, uh, big problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, my I have a little dog. He's a mutt. His <laughs> name's Titus, King Titus, and uh, he runs around our whole three-acre property, and uh, he, you know, urinates on everything. So basically, <laughs> we have this kind of invisible fence. Nice, but only oh, for perfect. you know, only for other male skunks. I'm not sure yeah. if female skunks would be intimidated by his urine, but yeah. Uh-huh. Seems like we don't have many. The guys stay away. The guys stay away. Hmm. Yeah, we don't have too many deer. He'll find out if he gets blasted in the face. Yeah. So you you said something interesting there, and about sort of helping out the bee population. Does recreational beekeeping legitimately make a difference in our current bee crisis, or could it? Yeah, I mean, I'm quite what a I'm, bummer of a question, Jared. No, like I'm just interested because it's it, of course it does. Okay, well, I just I just have no idea how many like hives per like per col- square kilometer there are in the world, and if every you know person has one, if that like is helpful, or if it's just like a drop in the bucket, you know? Right. Well, right. well, a quick stat for the for the how much land that they can cover. So my yes, hives can cover thirty five thousand square kilometers. Stop. So they can go you know three and a half kilometers in every single direction, and that's a lot of. That's yeah. a, lot of, a okay. lot of room, a lot so, of space. See, Calvin, that's an interesting fact, man. It is interesting. Also, Jared, m- to piggyback on that point, I heard a good uh, comment that it would be so much more efficient for um, there to be 60,000 individual hives as opposed to one you know, giant beekeeper having 60,000 hives to himself. Like That's kind of the goal, I guess, with uh, spread backyard beekeeping. 
to spread it all out. Yeah. Right. So backyard beekeeping is like one of those. All right, guys, we all share this earth. This is the cool way that you can make your difference in a real way. This is all going in my letter to get my tax write-off. You get a tax write-off? Well, I I think I should because, you know, I'm helping earth. Why shouldn't I get a tax (laughs) 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 write-off? This is all going to my letter. (laughs) To who? To Justin? Justin's pretty lenient. Yeah, going to the CRA, of course. I think a lot of of countries, provinces, and states – do give tax tax write offs. Yeah, for you don't bee- pay taxes but, on your bees. But right. how how much did they cost for you, Calf? Like a hundred and thirty five dollars, I think. For the bees, how many pounds yeah. did you get? Uh, they didn't come in pounds. They came in because f- oh, I got them in uh, on frames, so they came in four frames. Four frames. Yeah. They so all on and it. they call that a nuke, a nucleus. Yeah, it was a nuke. So it's basically a miniature hive. It has all your bees that you need. It has your queen yeah. that's already laying. They already know her. And by and name. Probably, yeah. <laughs> By scent. Have yeah. you named your uh, queen, you guys? Uh, no, I, I haven't. No, that's I should. Yeah, that's bad. I have named my hive though. It's called the Hammer. Nice. After because Hamilton. From Hamilton. O- Ode to Hamilton. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Do you have it written on there? Idea. I have it written on there. Nice. I, I wood burned it to a nice little piece of purple poplar, and stuck it to the front end so Crisp. they know where they're coming. Crisp. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But uh, back to your question, if if I think it can make a difference, I really do. Now, now from an agricultural standpoint, I don't I don't really know between the amount of pesticides farmers use and and again that the amount of land that bees can cover. I mean, I'm no scientist. I don't have a GPS unit on my bees, just a few of them, <laughs> and it, and it's pretty hard to tell how you know how how well they're doing and you know with all the natural things like mites and uh, you know foul brood. Like some, there's some crazy things out there that bees have to come through. But yep. the, the fact is you can't change the, my frame of mind that's, that's really changed over the time of, of having these bees. Hmm. Like I legitimately really enjoy beekeeping. I love seeing those little girls fly in and fly out carrying little sacks of pollen on them and, you know, this, Graham, this and that. I, touch, I told this to Gerald on the last episode, but there's just something weird almost. I just go out there after work and I'll sit right beside it and just watch them for half an hour. It's just mesmerizing and so relaxing. I don't know what it is. It, it really is. Yeah. No, it's, it's a beautiful thing that something so small it can just work so well. You know, everyone knows their place. Everyone knows their position. Yes. Even though they're only on the planet for three three weeks for some of them or a yeah. month and a half. And, you know, queens can live up to five to nine years. So, I mean, that's crazy wow. that they know their place. They have the task at hand and they don't veer away from it. They just yeah. work, work, work. I like to think of it as like the hive is like a body and then all of the bees in it are like the cells. And it's just, they, you know, they, they maintain their temperature inside. They fight off disease. Uh, you know, they get fuel, protein, carbohydrates, bring it in, uh, kick out the waste. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It, yeah, it, I, I just find it phenomenal. And it, and it really does encourage um, a mutual respect for the environment and nature. Hmm. And I think that's yes. one of the biggest ways that I think backyard beekeeping or anyone with a beehive uh, can really change their perspective well so graham you're for it absolutely i want more bees you want more you hear it here folks <laughs> i don't have enough bees in fact i i read a book uh, that's that's uh, no that's pushing it. i don't read too often so i read <laughs> i read a paragraph a i read a paragraph i don't know where it was i it listened the to web. someone who told me something from a book they read once yeah you know i could have even been watching a documentary <laughs> but anyhow Here's here's the quote. The quote goes, 
<laughs> Dude, that's deep, man. That's deep. Oh, see, I thought about too much not reading. I screwed you up there. I'm yeah, sorry. No, I, I started. I, I started <laughs> judging myself on a radio show and talking about <laughs> talking about not reading. Oh, <laughs> how did it go? What was I talking about? Bees. I was talking about a great bee quote about the the power of backyard beekeeping and our environmental impact or lack thereof. Complete blank. It's gone. You know what? That's totally fine. <laughs> I think it's going to come back. I, all right. If it comes I know back, it will come back. It, that was, you know, you're leaving all the listeners on the edge of their seat now. We're just like, they're listening and they're like, what is in Graham's mind? I need it. I need that nugget. So they're going to keep listening uh, to whatever we. That, <laughs> that was the one last push to put that listener from, eh, not really into it to, I'm starting. Well, that's cool. I, I like this idea. I like this idea of you guys and, you know, other beekeeping or people who are like appreciating nature sitting down and contemplating these types of things because even as you're talking i'm like wow there's cool analogies in there for what it's like to live in community or what it's like just to simply be a human or to understand your place in nature or to appreciate the little things and um i think you know maybe we don't do enough of that in life so it's kind of neat to hear about you guys building something into your world that creates a little bit of space for you to um yeah, just to sit back and enjoy. Jerry, really, it all comes back to community living and moving <laughs> in with your buddy and his wife. Exactly, man. We're <laughs> our own bee colony. <laughs> uh. So would your queen be Cole? Que- Cole's the queen. <laughs> queen Cole. <laughs> queen Cole. I think, um, I think he'd make a good queen. I love how he just never gets to defend himself in these scenarios. I know, he too. just gets owned. Ugh. <laughs> uh. All right. Cole, what else we want to talk Cole's, about? Cole's chiming in here to try to cue a story up in uh, in Graham's brain. Yeah, share the story. Keep talking to the mic. Oh, sorry, guys. You're still on air. No, I we know. don't edit that much. No. Okay. Well, the thing is, is I'm just so frustrated. I mean, I could, I probably forgot what I was gonna say because we've been drinking this. Tennessee honey. Dude, you've had like and three sips. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my wife hides the liquor at my house, so, <laughs> you know, I'm having a boy's night out. Okay, uh, wh- while you're waiting for that, I want to hear about one of the most, uh, while you're waiting for that to come back, I want to hear about one of your most interesting video shoots, because you've done some f- sweet stuff. Okay, yeah, all right. Cole's pointing at me, because he knows one of my famous stories. So uh, we're going to go here. Yeah, baby. So just make sure you put your kids to bed. <laughs> this is... Uh, and hide the liquor. Hide the liquor and <laughs> pay attention very closely. So like I said, this past week, I, I just came back from Detroit. I had a shootout there and I was telling you guys that. But um, that was that was my third or fourth time being in Detroit. The very first time was a very, very memorable trip. So we were... At the time, at the time, I was working for Sharp Magazine, uh, based out of Toronto, as their kind of video producer, in-house video producer, and myself and a fellow that I work with named Matt Bubbers, who's a just a phenomenal automotive journalist, travels the world and just tests cars on mountainsides and says if he likes them or if he doesn't. It's wow. pretty pretty sweet gig. So we came up with this idea um, to 
take the brand new 2014 SRT Viper that had just come out at the time. It's two years old. And Dodge yeah. SRT Viper. Yeah. <laughs> and so we uh, we basically pitched it to Chrysler being like, hey, we want to take your brand new Viper and drive it through Detroit because at the you know at the time and still is being built in Detroit oh yeah and you know for a city that you know you hear stories about that you know buildings are falling apart yeah. you know electricity doesn't exist in certain parts of the city <laughs> um, we just thought it'd be kind of a a nice clash a visual clash so this Chrysler said yeah that sounds like car. a yeah oh sweet car eight liter v10 eight liters in that in the stop yeah, is that what, what it is? Hog. Maybe seven point four, but I'm pretty sure it's eight liters. It's it's a lot of gas wow. going through that vehicle. <laughs> it's probably why no one in Canada really has one. Has them? Wow, that's a lie. I saw one today driving her through. Yeah. If you have one of those, you have to balance it out with a beehive for the environment's sake. Yeah, maybe sixty thousand beehives. Yeah, beehive on it's the more r- like it. beehive on the roof. <laughs> probably wouldn't be as quick. So anyhow, Chrysler sends us to Detroit. We get there. And uh, how many people is we? What kind of team you got? Myself. Yep. A fellow named Matt Bubbers. Yep. And my buddy from Hamilton that I brought with me, who's Kyle Fort. So not many. Not many. Just the three of us. Nice. And so, you know, we packed our butter knives because, you know, we don't have guns. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Because you're Canadian originally. Yeah. Originally Canadian. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, we end up at this beautiful hotel, the old Cadillac, which is now, I think, the Westin. Just a beautiful old historic hotel. And um, out parked out front is this brand new SRT Viper. It's gunmetal gray with oh. kind of a black stripes down the middle and on the hood and the rear. Just absolutely gorgeous. What's this? Uh, what's that car retail for? Yeah, that car at the time was about 100, 110000 bucks. So Nice. I mean, a lot of people when it first came out would tell you it was, you know, for the money. You really couldn't touch that kind of horsepower performance for the money, and, right, and it was right, right, and right. it was true, and, and still might be. But you know, tons of new cars have come out in the last two years, so I wouldn't be surprised if they've been dethroned. So Matt and I and Kyle, we just come up with this idea. We say, "Hey, let's go straight to the Packard plant, which is this very famous, massive, massive old automo- automotive plant that built these Packard cars." Hmm. And, of course, Packard doesn't exist, and this Packard plant has been empty for, for years, for decades. And we didn't really know that it was a really rough part of town. We just headed that way. We put it on Siri's little <laughs> GPS and just drove. So 15, 25 minutes later, we find ourselves in a pretty rough part of town. Um, but we weren't really concentrating on our surroundings. Who's driving the Viper? Matt was at the time. And Matt, you guys are following him? I'm I'm in the passenger seat. In a Dodge Neon? <laughs> actually, no, there's actually, contrast. Actually, Chrysler did give us a brand new Grand Cherokee at the time. Oh, nice. You know, oh, le- sweet. leather trim. You know, it was burgundy. So was, you guys were rolling all right. We, we were rolling all right. All right. We, we definitely looked like tourists. Okay. <laughs> and, and I kid you not, Detroit, for the size of the city, you wouldn't believe how quiet it is. Really? Just it could be the middle of the day, it could be evening. It, it's That's not even eerie. dark out. It's very eerie. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I went down there a couple years ago. It's very strange. It is very strange. Eerie is the right word for eerie, it. Yeah, eerie is eerie is the word. Detroit. Welcome to Detroit. Eerie. <laughs> not on Lake Erie. Just Erie, straight Pennsylvania. Up. No, uh, eerie. 
No, that's like those uh, welcome signs, Jer, on, on the small towns you were talking about. Yeah, strange signs. <laughs> Detroit. Okay, Erie. The, we got to stop interrupting him. <laughs> yeah. I want to get to this story. I did. Gr- <laughs> the school I went to in Saskatchewan was beside a town called Bigger, and their welcome sign said, New York is big. But we are bigger. Stop. No, it did not. I kid, I kid so you good. not. I kid you not. Look it up. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. So anyhow, we're in Detroit with a Dodge Viper. Beautiful. Brand new. And we are parking it in front of this Packard plant. And it's very picturesque. The You know, there's concrete falling out, rebar sticking out. Um, you know, there's a crack attic, like three floors up, just yelling curse words at us. It was... The experience started off on the right note. A Within true fif- adventure. A true adventure. Within 15 minutes, myself, Matt, and Kyle are, are, kind of, are all kind of sniffling, like as if there's some kind of foul scent in the air. And so we start to connect eyes and realize we're all smelling the same thing. So we start looking around. And just just off a ways in some thick grass, we see what looks like might be a body or something. So we walk towards this thick grass. And I think Matt was the first one to see it. And he's like, oh, oh, no, what is that? And, you know, hearts are racing. It's like, oh, my gosh, what am I about to see here? So sure enough, we just, you know, push the grass aside. And it's this massive, absolutely massive. I've never seen a dog this big, (laughs) dead, (laughs) and absolutely baking in the sun. Oh, bloated? Absolutely bloated. (laughs) In fact, there were parts on this dog, this male dog, that looked so bloated <laughs> that I thought they were going to explode. So oh, as, as soon as we all saw portions... It was a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. As soon as we saw this bloated dog and its parts, <laughs> it's we, had, we, we basically took off running because, you know... Boom, set up the GoPros. It, it was it was imminent. <laughs> and it just reeked. It just... It, it was bad. Absolutely oh horrific. I'm really happy it wasn't a body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was very happy. Although I am a dog person. And you know how in those movies you see the horses and the dogs die? You're like, oh, why didn't they just kill one of the main characters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was th- not a body. Yeah, that, that was definitely not the case. So it was good that it wasn't a body. So anyhow, that was the first little, uh, you know, step into, you know, having the full Detroit experience. And so we parked the car a little bit further away from the, you know, bloated dog. And we had continued filming. And then within within minutes, a huge, big, blacked out, black rimmed, you know, suburban rolls up with, you know, beats just jamming in the background. Boom, 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 boom. And we're like, uh, uh, so we both, you know, all three of us kind of cluster up as if, you know, we're getting ready for like a war or a battle <laughs> or something. Hands on the butter knives. <laughs> Hands on the butter <laughs> knives. The driver's door opens up. This big, tall guy with this kind of a a do-rag and and jeans hanging around his ankles and big belt and wife beater kind of strolls around the backside, comes towards us, just gives us a quick nod. What's up? And we're like, (laughs) please, uh, we're Canadian. (laughs) And uh, so so anyhow, he he just stops, gives us a nod, goes to the the passenger side of the car to open up, uh, open the door for whoever's in this passenger seat. He opens it up, out comes this this woman, and at first it's just like, oh, it's just a woman, and you know we kind of turn back to what we were doing and and start to look back towards the SRT Viper and to start film it, but then Kyle is still staring, and we're like, what's Kyle staring at? And we look at Kyle, and then we look at the woman. We realize this woman's not wearing 
anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> well, I guess you could call it a thing. I, I mean, I don't think you can purchase them anywhere. But it was technically it was something. It it looked like uh, some kind of robe <laughs> that had been maybe shot with a minigun. It was it was basically a a fishnet, a white fishnet across her whole body. Um, she did have panties on, mercifully, and they, and there were some s- some very strategically placed stickers. And I I really don't know where she got these strategically placed stickers, <laughs> but they were there, and we are thankful. How but close was this to you? Like across the street? No, oh, about ten feet. <laughs> close oh enough that close enough that it was very strange that there was no conversation yeah. struck up, but yeah. just you know, it was yeah. pure awe, right? Pure awe, and um, as if it couldn't get any worse, that I guess she's a mother goes to the back of the suburban and opens the back passenger door, and boom, you see these two little feet hit the dirt, walk around the door, and sure enough, there's this two and a half foot tall. Little man. Human. Human. He's probably three years old, <laughs> dressed like his dad, and I, it just didn't make any sense. Why would they be here with this little guy with them? So anyhow, the husband goes to the very back of the suburban, opens the back, grabs a boombox, hangs a camera around his neck, and they walk into the Packard plant. Really? Without saying a word to us. And this is, like, the Packard plant, I mean, you wouldn't want to walk in there without a machete, right. a machine gun, maybe a, <laughs> you know, a, a Molotov cocktail. Molotov <laughs> cocktail, a couple of German shepherds. I mean, I mean, so it's abandoned, but you can you can just go in there freely? Yeah, you could absolutely go in there freely. But like yeah, I said, okay. there were legitimate crack addicts yelling at us from the top oh, of the... Oh, that was the building, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, I wouldn't want to walk in there, even with three guys in my Dodge Viper. I mean, <laughs> and, and the whole time we have this, you know, $110,000 car just sitting here. That I mean, Chrysler is entrusted to you. That Chrysler is an entrust entrusted to us. So we're like, okay. So anyhow, these these three folks kind of go into the Packard plant, and you know, throughout the next 10, 15 minutes, we hear these ghetto beats going on, and we're just like, oh well, they're probably shooting a dirty film <laughs> <laughs> with the three year old. With the three year old. So five <laughs> minutes later, if, if things can't get any weirder, all of a sudden, a bunch of young people show up with what seems to be a lot of drugs they don't say anything to us either they do all the drugs in the middle of the field come on get back into their fort escape and take off it was just bizarre and then a fellow named kirby comes with his bucket and tells (laughs) us how many places he's put his bucket how many things he's had in his bucket (laughs) and how many places he's sat on his bucket (laughs) (laughs) kirby 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 (laughs) At which point we're about to ready to leave, and then lo and behold, the the little film crew comes out from the Packard plant. <laughs> the scantily clad woman now has no fishnet across her body; it's just the stickers and a thong. And the video producer dad still has the ghetto blaster in his hand, and a camera hung around his neck. And they seem like they they want something, so I kind of look over, I connect eye contact with the fellow. And standing at six foot seven at least, he looks at me in the eyes and he's like, Hey, come here. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Okay. So I quickly drop, drop, you know, my $6,500 camera gear on the ground because I felt like it would probably be safer there. Walk towards him. See if we're on the ground. Uh, Hold this, Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby, put this in your bucket for a second. <laughs> uh, and uh, quickly go, 
what's up, man? You know, I had to drop my Canadian kindness and just, you know, act like I had thicker skin. Level with them? Level with them. And he said, so I was thinking. I'm like, uh, okay. I was thinking I could take some photos of my girl up against that sweet car. <laughs> <laughs> and there really wasn't that much time in my brain where I said, don't let him do it. I, I The whole time I was like, you're going to let him do it. <laughs> Not that it's a good idea, but what are your options, Graham? (laughs) Right. Your options are very limited. So the only thing that I thought would be the best opportunity to maybe control the situation a little bit is say, would you mind not getting that license plate in your photos? Because you know what? These guys could have been famous. They could be hot shots on, you know, that red light district internet or whatever it is. So I just wanted to make sure it wouldn't come back and bite us in the bum. So anyhow, before you know it, she's doing all these acrobatic moves (laughs) up against (laughs) the car. Up against the car. This can't be real, Graham. It's it's real. You've got no work done at this point. If if this is a video blog, I I would show you photos. So (laughs) you didn't have this a little bit recording for your commercial? Add a little sex appeal? No, actually, I did record a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) And... You know, I felt wrong at the time (laughs) and, you know, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, I I felt like I had to tell her and I did tell her and um, you kind of had to have evidence. It wasn't like I had to have evidence just in case. Again, these guys (laughs) could have been famous and I could have had my hands tied behind my back and in many ways lost my job, my girlfriend and my parents would have denied me. Like so they I, did at the start of your story. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> Got to play it safe. So anyhow, after she does all these crazy moves all over the car and <laughs> Kyle, myself and Matt Bubbers are all taking photos just as evidence. Because, again, like you and my friends and no anyone else I've told, it. no one believes it. Photos or it didn't happen. Photos or it didn't happen. And so the last thing he asked me before they left is if she could get on top of the car. And and I was feeling a little more confident at the time because I had my camera out and I said, hey, man, she's pretty talented. <laughs> and so <laughs> I feel like he, he knew I respected his his hobby or his career path. Even if did he seem like he knew what he was doing uh, um, from a videographer professional's perspective? It's hard to say. It's it's like watching a hummingbird mate for the first time you know it's i can't say i know what they're doing because i've never seen it before (laughs) so it was very difficult for me to know what was going on in that situation at the time so it basically ended with me saying i think we're done here yeah and she you know Where's the three-year-old this whole time? The three-year-old is just standing there. In Stop. fact, if if you were to scroll back on my Instagram, uh, you know, two or three years, you'd find a picture of this little man with a dirty old little wife beater, a little hat <laughs> with his muscles flexing in front of the Dodge Viper. Wow. And that was the only appropriate photo that I could post. <laughs> we got to get that for the blog post. On my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. What is your Instagram for our listeners? It is uh, Instagram. And since my name's spelt a little differently, I... Not like Graham Cracker. Right, exactly. So I emphasize it in my Instagram. So it's Insta, just like it sounds, Gray, G-R-E-Y, and then um, U-M. Graham. Graham. 
just how I like for everyone to pronounce my name. Graham. Graham. So Instagram is my Insta, and if you went back three years, you'd probably find that photo. Right. And I'd be telling the truth. Wow. What a story. That yeah. was like, man, thing after thing after thing. And was uh, Chrysler pretty pleased with the final product? Yeah. Actually, they were very pleased. They were very pleased. Where did this project go? This project went into the Sharp magazine, and then it went online for Sharp magazine. Wow. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the craziest part is that's only one of the stories of that's Detroit. That's only one of the Detroit stories. We might have to have you back on for another one. Yeah. We could have a new show, Tales of Detroit. With Instagram. Instagram. Wow. That's awesome. Graham, you, I, I'm sure you have tons and tons of stories like that built within you, and I'm glad that we were able to just get a, get a little sample here. Uh, one thing we always try to get from our guests, and you've already – done this a little bit but uh any additional tips uh for people to add more adventure to their everyday hmm yeah you know what i think we have to limit ourselves on the amount of things that we see around us and you know if you find yourself getting jealous or find yourself comparing yourself to something that you see then you just got to get out and do it hmm because I think, you know, for a long time, I, I found myself almost in a box of comparing myself to people. Like, oh, man, look at where he is or look at what right, she's doing. Right. But the fact is, if you were doing the same thing that they are in the place where you are, they'd be just je- just as jealous as you are. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's a good point. You just got to get out there and do it. Just and get out there and make as many people jealous as possible. Exactly. <laughs> that's your tip. And, and, a, and a lot of people, a lot of people. uh <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of people i think don't have enough adventure in their life because i mean career paths and you know money is is typically an issue but really when it comes down to it you can always make more money but you be, but you are limited on the amount of time that you can make you can always make more money but you can't make more time really it, that's how it comes down to it hmm. boom well, that's nice that, that's short and sweet to the point Short and sweet make others jealous <laughs> Man, I, I really think your your buddy was onto that that whole philosophy of yours. Make others jealous. <laughs> yeah, make them jealous, and that way they might go do what you do or do something better. Wow, there's always a bigger Find fish, and viper. there's always a bigger adventurer. Find your own viper. Find your own scantily clad, <laughs> no name woman. I cannot believe that story. <laughs> Graham, thanks for your perspective on adventure, on beekeeping, on video production guys we're gonna post some some cool stuff some links to some of his videos graham is uh we've just you know broken the surface of graham oh yeah i mean you gotta look at some of his work it's all it's all pretty magical uh tell us a little bit about where they can find you on youtube youtube um yeah there's multiple spots you could find me if you type my name in but the the vlog that i'm i'm kind of working on and having fun doing is graham gets motivated and how do you spell graham this time gra E M E, not H A M. Greamy, 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 greamy. Graham gets motivated. Subscribe to that channel. We're gonna try to, you know, we're not gonna do it. We're not down for slow growth. We're gonna double you overnight. You know what? If I had twenty four by tomorrow, I'd probably quit my day job. <laughs> <laughs> and would you give? Would you put a post up on your Instagram about the Open Road Podcast if that happened? Absolutely amazing. All right, I think we have ourselves yes. a deal here. In fact, I, I think right. I think I'm including you guys in my vlog. Stop it. Absolutely. It's a, res- a beautiful reciprocal circle of partying.
Cole, Cole is doing some weird hand signals. Oh, yeah, Cole, Cole has Cole. interrupted so many times this episode. It's crazy. I think Cole wants to be featured. No, he can't. Is that what you're saying? We can't have his voice in here until that fateful day when he comes on. The as final a guest. episode. The final episode. All right, Graham. Thanks so much for coming on today, buddy. Yeah, thanks so much yeah, for thanks, having me. This it's was been, fun. This was fun. Once a month, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed that interview with Graham and that it was a little bit inspiring and filled with some tips that can help you find more adventure in the everyday. If you want to stay in touch with us, please give us a follow on Instagram. That uh, You can find us there at openroadpod, at openroadpod, or find us on the web at www.openroadpod.com. We have a contact us page if you want to shoot us an email or uh, if you know of someone, or even if you yourself might be a good guest for us to interview on the show. Coming up now, we have a track by a band called Mount Farewell. It's called Like It That Way. We always try to feature a little bit of new music to uh, you know increase the musical adventure in your life. So here's a track called Like It That Way by Mount Farewell. Thanks, and catch you guys next week.
Start rolling, Calvin. Are you still rolling? I'm, I'm, I'm still rolling. When did you get drunk with Owen Wilson? That's not possible. Are you allowed to say his name? We've had other ce- friends who've bumped into celebrities who can't say the celeb names on this podcast. Oh, really? He oh, yeah. He this is really coming back. Say anything. <laughs> I mean, going to come back and bite uh, us. I mean, he was he was uh, under the influence. Where was this? This was in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Come on. So I was in Rio de Janeiro for a uh, Pirelli calendar photo. Um, ki- well, no, it's a Pirelli calendar. Um, Pirelli tires. Pirelli tires. Oh, the tires. Yeah, so they do this oh, kind of sweet, scantily clad um, calendar for the last, man, I want to say 50 years or something. You know, it's, I mean, it's quite seductive. There, there may or may not be nudity. And anyhow, this is the first year that they weren't going to kind of have that nudity. And the fellow who took all the photos for that calendar, and that was 2014 calendar, was a fellow named Steve McCurry, which is actually all over the web right now because he's being attacked. For oh, is this a guy who's yeah, photoshopping everything? Photoshopping things. So he's the famous photographer taking the picture of that famous Afghani woman with the kind of green blue eyes and the red kind of head veil. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So he, That's so, an old photo. Yeah. So he worked with all these different models that... Uh, kind of i don't know i don't know how to say this but you know models that had good intentions to use their gifts and you know models that had orphanages or supported all these non-for-profits and stuff using using the gift of modeling um so anyhow it was a it was a normal calendar very big it was a very exclusive event and the launch party for that event and i was there for four days but the actual launch party tons of different um famous people and you know hot shots were there the the uh, president of Brazil at the time was there. Wow. The mayor of Los Angeles was there. Um, there was some models and some actresses, and Owen Wilson was Love there. Because at the time, Owen Wilson was dating this Italian model. So after okay. after our beef tartare meal and Cirque du Soleil dancing over our tables. Come on. Absolutely. I'm serious. <laughs> Cirque <laughs> du Soleil was there. And there, Owen Wilson is shorter than you'd imagine. I mean, he's got to be five foot five maybe five six if he's lucky really really and i kid you not that nose in real life in person is more messed up it's just right it's <laughs> it's crooked <laughs> i mean he must have been a hockey player it's just or, right or like, just a stunt dummy or a it, it was brutal you Anyhow, cannot look at it no it, it's tough to look at but me being outgoing and not really caring about what other people think at the time i I ran up to him, put my arm around him, and said, Owen, were you going to leave the party without saying hi to me? And he looked kind of surprised in his kind of half-drunk <laughs> face, rolled his eyes a bit. He's like, you sound American. And I said, I'm Canadian. He said, well, basically the same thing. <laughs> and, you know, we had a couple of drinks. It was this very, oh. It was very what? Uh <laughs> It we the the very popular drink in Brazil is this vodka, but it's not a vodka. It's it's some kind of Brazilian liqueur, and they mix fresh passion fruit. And if you've ever had fresh passion fruit, it's kind of like little jelly balls that come out of huh. this little purple, yep. you know, Mandarin looking thing. And uh, so Owen and I had plenty of those, and I made it back to the hotel, but I do not know if he did. Wow! And did you just shoot the breeze with them? Shoot the breeze. I mean, as much as I could get out of him. I mean, he was, he was, very, very intoxicated. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a better word than intoxicated. Uh, I want to make Owen sound, you know, 
He was he was having a time. He had a good time. I mean, you're not. It's not every day that you're at the Pirelli party. Correct. It's not every day you're right. at the Pirelli party. Partying and with the president of Brazil. Partying with the president of Brazil. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was pretty I wild. Do you got like a little uh, takeaway set of snow tires or something? No, but I got this epic calendar that only I think a thousand people in the world have for that year. Oh. It's hanging in your garage, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, I've, I've been trying to pass it off to people because it is quite big. It's the size of a small coffee table. Really? And oh, it wow. weighs, you know, 12 pounds. So anytime I come to a photographer, you know, I, I befriend someone who might have some fashion. Did I try and give it to you, Cole? And is, it's it's pretty, like, seductive. This one actually or this is one not was this seductive. Yeah, this is this was kind of they were trying to turn a new leaf for Pirelli and kind of have more meaning behind these photos and not just trying to turn people on, I guess. Right. Right. Turn turn people onto their tires. Turn the people onto their tires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, when you're a tire company, you got to do these big. Abs- uh, you yeah. Know. No, hundred percent. It's hard to but sell it, four it tires. It is really interesting, though. I'm sure the way that's changed with where society is today. And with the increase uh, in, you know, uh, e- equality and all of those things, where some people would say, you know, people should wear more clothes. Other people would say, you know what? No, less clothes for everybody is no problem. But it's interesting to hear how some of these car companies respond, who have traditionally been pretty, uh, you know, pretty male oriented. Yeah. Well, Jerry, you're from the uh, the tire world business, totally. and you know your, your dad still puts out you know a calendar similar to that every year for the Christmas card. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what works. Rudy would never. Okay, Rudy would never. It's what gets people coming back. Rudy's tires sell themselves. <laughs> uh. Anyways, that's a great story, Graham. I'll, I'll keep a couple more stories in my back pocket for next time. Yeah, once a month. If I keep telling you Perfect. stories, I won't be friends with you much longer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>